go ahead and get started. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Um, Mr. Reader, could you open us up in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this evening and the opportunity to be here. I just pray now that you'd uh, help us uh, as we listen to the lesson from your word. I pray you help Brother John as he leads uh, this evening. Help and wisdom, and uh, pray that you work in each of our hearts and lives as we go. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I was hoping to get started on time, but I did not. So, because I was going to give you guys all a pop quiz on the last lesson, um, and myself to see what we could remember on the last lesson. Um, but so we'll move on. So we had the last lesson about Moses. So this new lesson, lesson number four, is Moses and Pharaoh. Um, so we'll get started there. We are often called to interact with difficult people in our lives. Uh, and often our natural tendency is to respond with frustration and anger. In this proportion, or in this portion of scripture, we see Moses modeling proper behavior while dealing with an antagonistic enemy. We see Moses exemplifying meekness, never personally reviling Pharaoh, in spite of many provocations. Instead, Moses kept himself in submission to God and allowed him to deal with Pharaoh in his own way and time. Moses did not yield, he did not compromise, and he did not quit. Ultimately, God gave him the victory. So first point here, and if you look close, I gave you a small hint in your cheat sheets. You have to see if you can figure that out. We have the appeal of Moses. Moses. The appeal of Moses. With God's assurance replacing his misgivings, Moses went to Pharaoh to deliver God's message. What is that message? Let my people go. So, yeah, so that's what he's doing. Let my people go. God is looking for people today who will speak up for him and proclaim his word. We are ambassadors, as the Apostle Paul states in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 20. An ambassador is an authorized representative or messenger. He resides in a foreign country to represent his ruler and his nation. And just a little forewarning, if you have your Bibles, there is some lengthy scripture reading uh, tonight, so I might call upon some volunteers to help out with the reading. Um, so be ready for that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. We are witnesses, as Peter and the Apostle Paul told the council at Jerusalem. A witness is one that gives evidence. He stands before others and tells the truth about what he personally knows. That's what a witness is in, in a court. He's giving evidence towards that trial there on what he, he did see or did not see. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says, And we are his witnesses of these things, 
And so is also the Holy Ghost to whom God hath given to them that obey him. So here we're do that same way for God. We tell others what God did for us and through the witnesses of God to others. Uh, Moses showed what it means to be a good ambassador and witness for the Lord. And his example encourages us to do, uh, to behave in the same manner. Subpoint A, he spoke for God. He spoke for God. All right, if I have a volunteer for Exodus chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, and then another uh, volunteer for 28 through 29 of chapter 6. So if you want to take uh, 10 through 11 and 28 through 29, Andrew. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. 28-29. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. So when Moses entered Pharaoh's court, he demonstrated... Uh, behavior that we ought to emulate. First, he spoke for God. Oftentimes, God, through his Holy Spirit, will tell us to speak uh, to someone about him or for him, kind of what we're learning about. And we're trying to encourage each other on Wednesday nights, and that's where I seem, me personally, seem to fail a lot is you get that little gut feeling, and probably the Holy Spirit of just go say something to this person, and uh, how often... We really need to encourage each other uh, to do that. And this is kind of gets convicting. Um, uh, what he says here, kind of two, two tools Satan uses to keep us from doing that. Uh, so the two biggest tools is pride and procrastination. Um, and that can be true. Uh, we don't want to be embarrassed or I'll see them this time, the next time they come in to work or whatever. Um, it's, the, it's the devil and his tools to keep us from doing that. Uh, second, so first he spoke for God, and second, Moses delivered the message God told him to speak. The message Moses was to give to Pharaoh was very clear and direct. Let my people go. And while Moses may have experienced some nervousness, he entered Pharaoh's court with a simple and straightforward message, a message that would bring hope to God's people. Psalms 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. As we strive to speak for God, we can claim the promise that his word will not return void. Uh, it will always have an effect. Sunday school or um, services this morning. Um, that track, it's not going to return void, even if it's some, something as simple as that. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth; it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things 
whereunto I sent it. The word of God is also alive and powerful and sharp. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we speak the word of God faithfully in public, preaching or in teaching or in personal conversation, we can be assured that we are doing what is right and that God will bless it and use it for his glory. And I kind of sometimes the excuse, the excuses we come up with of why we don't talk to somebody, uh, sometimes you say, well, maybe it just wasn't the Lord leading. And yeah, the Lord can lead and there's some things that the Lord might not lead you to do. But the Lord always wants you to share his word and his gospel and speak of him. So it's really, at some point for me, it's like, the Lord didn't open that door. Well, the Lord always wants us to do that. So we can take confidence in that. And um, You know, the Lord doesn't open some doors, but he always wants us to at least you know, share his gospel. So that, those verses kind of kind of show that. So maybe we just share his gospel, knowing um, God will bless it. Second uh, Timothy explains that we should hold fast the form of sound words. The soundest of all words uh, are the words inspired by God. Second Timothy one thirteen says, "Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, and in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus." And kind of on that same point, how hard sometimes it is to, we kind of wait for the Lord to open the door and the opportunity to talk uh, about Christ to somebody or witnessing. But how, when we talk about something we like to talk about, and somebody mentions something, how easy it is to talk about the things, the, the flesh things. Um, like with me, you know, guns or uh, golf or basketball or whatever, that softball. Um, it should be the same way with, same way with Christ and, and um, doing that. So the illustration story here it has is, I've never heard of this man, but maybe somebody, somebody here has, but Joe Gerard holds the title as the greatest retail salesman in the world. During his 15-year career as a retail car salesman, he sold 13,001 cars. That's a lot of cars. Averaging about six cars a day. In a year, Gerard would sell more retail cars as an individual than most dealerships would sell total. He had a passion for selling cars that provoked action. Every month, he sent out nearly 13,000 green greeting cards to his customers. Many of his customers said that they considered Gerard a part of their family. His inspiration came partially from his mother's love for him. Joe's mother, who grew up in a poor home, showed great love for her child. Joe Gerard's motivation to succeed was developed out of a love for his mother and a desire to please her. His love for her prompted his eagerness to sell his product. And that parallels our love towards Christ should should help us, um, in a way, sell his gospel, because it is, as 
As a good salesman, you're not looking just to pawn off your junk. You believe you go to people that need your stuff and try to show them um, how they can benefit from your product. Um, so subpoint B, he spoke for God's people. spoke for God's people. As the story progresses, Moses acted as a representative for God's people. While it is true that many see Moses as a leader and an emancipator, you also see him as an advocate for the downtrodden. When, when a Christian speaks up on behalf of those less fortunate than himself, he is epitomizing true Christianity. Christians should support the weak. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. When a Christian has mercy upon the poor, he is honoring his maker. And Proverbs 14.31 says, He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him that hath mercy on the poor. So Moses knew that his people were downtrodden and oppressed, and he felt compassion for them, wanting them to be free. Compassion has been defined as your hurt in my heart. Moses did not just feel sorry for his people. He saw them hurt, and he hurt too. He wanted to help his people in any way he could. More importantly, he knew that if he did not obey God in the matter of journeying into the wilderness and making their sacrifice, to him, they would be judged. Let's see here. Kind of another illustration story. Um, uh, it says, Amy Carmichael is an example of someone who saw the need and took the lead. Amy lived her life uh, with, an, with eternity in mind, focusing on how she could help those around her. While serving, uh, while serving the Lord in Belfast, Northern Ireland, I know where that's at now. Ireland is a dumpy little town. Kind of creepy too, but a lot of, a lot of alcohol through there. Um, she developed a burden for young women who are abused. The Lord's will took Amy Carmichael to India, where she served with godly missionaries. Amy's life changed on March 7, 1901, when a five-year-old runaway girl named Pearl found her. Uh, Pearl's mother had sold her to be, um, yeah, be in a temple, abused, basically be abused in temple worship stuff. And some of that stuff I don't want to even read, but my wife was kind of reading through the book of Amy Carmichael, and it was creepy, some of those things. Um, that religions do and I was actually had this thought in the service this morning there are things um, that the world will tell you that we shouldn't have a problem with because these things um, some religions specifically aren't hurting like why should we care we should love all these people we shouldn't preach out against some of these things but there are these religions that are horrible that do crazy unmoral things in the name of 
well, not, in the not even in the name of religion, under the cover of religion, and some of it is in the name of religion, but also some things, just talking with my brother Tim and some of these other people, um, like the um, LGBTXYQ LMNOP thing that goes on, said, you know, the world wants to tell you there's nothing wrong, and my dad was talking to a buddy of mine from college, and he was going on to say why we need to love these people. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad that comes out of these communities. But you look at these communities, and, and Tim says in his line of work, it is these people that do some of these crazy crimes just because they are messed up in morals. Once you go past a certain level of morality, like the most horrendous murders and stuff, tens from his experience and perception has been from, from these people of these communities. So sin, all that to say, little rabbit trail, wickedness needs to be, needs to be called out, and that's what Amy Carmichael, uh, that was her whole life goal, is to call out the wickedness of these Hindus in India. Um, the traumatized and hurt Pearl had attempted to escape twice already, only to be caught and beaten. When Pearl came to Amy, Amy knew that she had to help this abused young girl. This incident led to a new ministry for Amy. Amy devoted the next phase of her life to saving girls just like Pearl. Um, and she saved thousands, I believe thousands of uh, young girls. And then as she was doing that and rescuing these girls from these being abused in these temples, uh, she found out that there was young boys doing the same, being abused the same, same way in, under this religion. Uh, and she started saving those too. So she is one of those that really seen the hurt, took it upon herself, had that passion to help these people. Maybe, maybe we do the same. Um, so maybe we consider our schedule this week. Has God given us opportunities to speak for him? Perhaps you can speak for him to your family, guiding them. Uh, and biblical principles. Maybe you have an unsaved relative who is ready to hear compassionate presentation of the gospel. You might know of an underprivileged child or a family to whom you might speak God's blessing and demonstrate his compassion. God is ready to use you. Be a willing participant in spreading his word. All right. Point number two, the arrogance of Pharaoh. The arrogance of Pharaoh. In the last lesson, we saw that God blessed Moses and worked through him because he feared God and kept a humble spirit. We see the exact opposite in Pharaoh, for he was one who did not fear God and was thoroughly arrogant. No matter what the plagues God brought upon Egypt, Pharaoh never seemed to get the message. Several times he agreed reluctantly to let God's people go, but he always changed his mind and hardened his heart. His own servants clamored for him uh, to give in, in Exodus ch chapter 10, verse 7, and to not let his nation be destroyed for his own stubbornness. Not until he had lost his own firstborn did he allow God's people to leave Egypt. 
But as we'll see in the next lesson, he, he soon changed his mind and led his army uh, after them towards the Red Sea, towards the Red Sea. Um, Tan Credo Neves ran for presidency of, of Brazil in the 1980s. He boldly declared that if he got a half a million votes from his own party, not even God could keep him from being president. He won the election, but one day later he got sick and died. There's no way to know if God accepted his challenge, but what we can know for sure is that human beings should not make such bold and arrogant statements. God is greater than the arrogance and stubbornness of human rulers. All right, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Can I have a couple volunteers? We'll do one volunteer. Mr. Reader, if you could take that one. And then, um, if I have a, well, I'll get to that one later. So Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God is not mocked. That is for sure. All right, sub-point A. He was motivated by pride. He was motivated by pride. During the time of Moses, Egypt was the most powerful empire on the earth. In Egypt, there was none as powerful as Pharaoh. But there is always one more powerful than anyone else, and that is God. He overrules thrones and dominions, principalities and powers. What pride is. Merriam-Webster defines pride as a feeling that you are more important than others. Christian, uh, Christians must check their motives and decisions to make sure they are not based on prideful thinking. Uh, some, some little checks your decisions on see if maybe in your your thinking to see if maybe it has some pride to look to see if it causes contention uh, referencing Proverbs 1310 um, if it's foolish speaking Proverbs 143 or if it causes strife Proverbs 2825 those are some major symptoms of some pride being in some situations pride is a damaging sin we all wrestle with pride nothing does more to hold back revival, to ruin marriages, to corrupt our nation, to send people to hell than, our, than the sin of pride. The pride is not only damaging, it is also a deceptive sin. Um, and Pastor has been talking about this uh, quite a lot. Just what, like, uh, us. Baptists, we should say, um, we take on that name. Uh, most, most people are quite proud of their humility. We can be even proud of being right, even though we have the gospel and we can, be, we can become prideful in that way of being pride, prideful, being humble. I've 
um, talked to uh, a fella, and he was really proud of his, how he would drive just this beat-up car, you know, because he was so humble, you know. Sounds good, but it doesn't sound quite right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so, he was so humble because he, he drove this, this little beater car. I mean, that's good, like his motive, but it is interesting. But even something as, you can be prideful in our humility. Pride is very deceptive. All right, so we got what, what pride is. It's damaging, it's deceptive, what pride is not. There's a difference between the kind of pride that God hates Proverbs 8.13, and the kind of pride we feel about a job well done. Um, a healthy sense of self-respect is not pride. Appreciation for what others do is not pride, but the kind of pride that stems from self-righteousness is a sin. Pharaoh considered himself unconquerable, but he was about to find out that was far from true. Another illustration, that, uh, pretty comical. One elder, elderly couple who had been married for over 60 years was sitting in front of the fire one night. The husband, who was feeling romantic, looked at his wife, who was hard of hearing, and said, I am proud of you. She said, what? He spoke up a little louder. He said, I am proud of you. She said, what? Nearly shouting, he said, I am proud of you. She said, yeah, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> so we can get, uh, get kind of proudful. And it seems like the ones closest to you have a, a way of keeping you in check, which is good. We need that. So Exodus chapter 7, verses 22 through 23. Do I have a volunteer for that one? Andy and Dad, could you look up Isaiah 14, 13 through 14? So Exodus chapter 7, 22 through 23. <clears throat> and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. So Satan is the source of all pride, as we see. So we see here, Pharaoh considered himself unconquerable, but he's about, so we see in that verse he was, he's going to find out that he's not. And that Satan is the source of all pride, as we see in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. We'll start in verse 12. Now art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Hmm. Pretty scary. A proud look is one of the top seven things on God's hate list. Proverbs 16 through 19. Pride is one of the evil things that Jesus said defiles a man. Mark 7, 20 through 23. John said that the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world that will pass away. 1 John uh, 2, 15 through 17. May, may Pharaoh's pride serve as a reminder to us. Let our, let's search our hearts and humble ourselves before the Lord. All right, before we move on to this next one, if I can have a couple volunteers turn to Exodus 8, uh, 25 through 32, and we'll each kind of split that up. So Andy, um, if you want to take the first three verses, 
somebody else wants to take the next few, Mr. Reader. And so one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then Dad, if you would take the last two. So subpoint B. He was motivated by. There's a movie. I think. I I don't think it's yeah prejudice. I don't think that's a very nice video, is it? I don't know. Is that a girl movie or prejudice? Prejudice. Oh, did I spell that right? No, I did not. All right. He was motivated by prejudice. Uh, Andy, could you read the first three verses, 8, 20, 25 through 27? And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet to, so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Well, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as, as he shall command us. Twenty-eight through 30. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from the people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more, and not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. So Pharaoh believed that his way had to be the right way, and the children of Israel ought to surrender to his will. Moses, however, knew what God had told him to do and would not give in. Pharaoh offered several compromises. Um, we see there in, in 8.25, he says, Go ahead and sacrifice, but stay in the land. And 28 says, go ahead and sacrifice, but don't go very far. And in, um, in Exodus chapter 10, later on, it says, go ahead and sacrifice, but only the men should go and leave your families in Egypt. Moses refused to compromise in even the smallest of matters. God's way was the only way. When the devil can't get you to compromise, he is always willing to make a deal. In addition, Moses believed that compromise and uh, believe that to compromise and to perform uh, the animal sacrifice might result in the Egyptians turning upon the Israelites, for the Egyptians believed in reincarnation and worshipped animal life. As we make decisions, we must be sure that we are basing them upon the dictates of God's word rather than on compromises that will please other people. Pharaoh did not really believe God. He instead chose to wait and see what happened. It is not what we believe that is true, but rather it is what God says that is true. Jesus said to his father as he prayed in the garden, Thy word is truth. Those who have tried to stand for God and his truth over the centuries have always encountered prejudice. Cain did not appreciate his brother Abel, and... 
committed the first murder. Joseph's status um, as his father's favorite, along with his dreams from God, caused his brothers to hate him to the point where they could not speak peaceably, peaceably to him. After the death of Joseph, the Egyptians held the Israelites in bondage for 400 years. When commanded by God to lead his people out of the Mennonite captivity, Gideon responded, O oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So as gone down through the ages, do not be surprised or discouraged when Christians are mistreated in today's culture. Since Bible times, believers in God have experienced persecution and unfair treatment. We can find comfort in the promises of Scripture. In the end, God guarantees the victory. Um, let's see, what did I blank out there? Okay. So the what of God. Close. If you notice, it begins with, it does begin with an A. So he's got them all started with an A. Anger. anger. The anger of God. The anger of God. God is love. First John four eight, and He never changes. But he's also a consuming fire. Who can hate? Um, who can also hate? In Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen, he has a whole list of things that the Lord hates and his abomination. With his blatant rebellion against God and his brutal oppression of God's people, Pharaoh brought the wrath of God upon himself and his nation. Pharaoh's arrogant responses to Moses' reasonable appeal stirred God's blazing anger. In his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, Jonathan Edwards took as his text Deuteronomy 32:35, Their foot shall slide in due time. Pharaoh's due time was coming and was coming quickly. So if you guys could turn to Exodus 1, 11, 1 through 10. Um, each take three verses there. And Dad, if you take the last, I guess you would get four on the end of that. So subpoint A, judgment was... Apollo decreed that judgment was decreed. Judgment was decreed. All right, Exodus 11, 1 through 10. Um, Andy, you want to take the first three? And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Next three. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. And the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill. 
and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall there nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. See here, the Lord has made his judgment decree. Among his many attributes, God is patient and long-suffering, but God also makes it abundantly clear that there will come a time when his patience ends and his judgment falls. In Genesis 6.3, he reminds us that his spirit will not always strive with man. After he had brought many plagues upon the Egyptians to none avail, God, decides, uh, God decided to pour out his most severe judgment by bringing death to the firstborn of all those who did not heed his commandments. But even up until the last day, this judgment was not inevitable. God had made a way for even the Egyptians to escape this great calamity. His way is always through a blood sacrifice. For the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Hebrews 9.22 From the time God slew an innocent animal to provide a covering for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there had never been any other way. Uh, illustration, a vehicle usually gives some indication of trouble before major problems occur. Certain lights on the dashboard will indicate a problem in the vehicle, but if those are not present, there still may be unusual noise, smell, or vibration. For example, that awful screeching sound when um, your brakes are about to go or need replaced, and if you don't, um, there will soon be an even more unpleasant crunch in which will cost much more to repair. So pay attention to minor warnings before an expensive repair is required. But even more importantly, listen to the warnings of the Almighty God before time runs out and His judgment falls. Um, so salvation was scorned. God gives all people an opportunity to be redeemed because He is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. The Egyptians turned their backs on the opportunity of salvation and thus condemned their firstborns to death. You also see that this rejection was first made by Pharaoh. For if he had listened and hearkened to the man of God, the people of Egypt would never have found themselves in this horrible position. This is a great lesson for leaders of families, us men, um, and leaders of countries. Uh, our decisions will ultimately have a greater impact than we realize. Salvation was accepted. The Passover story is one of the most familiar of all of Israel's history. God laid out a plan for his people to follow. The taking of a spotless lamb, a type of lamb of God, who would take, 
who would, one, take away the sins of the world, uh, that lamb then had to be slain and had to be in the blood had to be applied to the doorpost. It was not enough to have a neighbor make the sacrifice, to have a priest make the sacrifice. It was a personal sacrifice done for each household. In Exodus chapter 12, 21 through 28. Um, I'll go ahead and read that. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel in two of the side posts for the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you, ye become to the land which the Lord give you, according, to, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head in worship. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. <clears throat> in Exodus 12, 28, we find the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded. When God offered a way, uh, when there seemed to be no way, they accepted the only way that would bring them deliverance. We are responsible for telling the world today that there is still, like we sang this morning, only one gate, only one way. Jesus himself declared, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. While the religions of the world say, do, Jesus says, it is done. On the cross, he had cried, it is finished. He is the only way. How thankful we should be for the wonderful salvation of God and how compelled we must be to be share the salvation with others. All right, last sub-point, judgment was delivered. Red Express. Too many E's. That's right. Okay. Judgment was delivered. Exodus twelve twenty nine through twenty six. And it came to pass that the, at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night and. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was none, or for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. 
And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their uh, kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That occasion of the first Passover created two very different responses across the breadth of Egypt. The cries and anguish uh, parents and siblings pierced the air from the homes of those who had not applied the blood to the doorpost. Yet, in the land of Goshen, heads were tilted heavenward, and millions of lips sang praises and gave thanks to Jehovah God. In Romans 12, 19, Paul referred, refers to Deuteronomy 32, 35, where God says that vengeance is his and that he will repay. The years of hardship and slavery, of making millions of bricks and serving under those who knew not Joseph, were now about to come to an end. God knew where they were, and in his timing and in his way, he chose to deliver them. No matter what we may go through in this world, we can rest assured that God will one day judge all this wickedness and deliver his people. <clears throat> all right. In, conclu in conclusion, Pharaoh had asked the question, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? God took that question and that attitude very seriously and made sure Pharaoh got his answer. In Exodus 11:7, the Lord said that he would put a difference between the Egyptians and the Israel and Israel. So today God puts a difference between his people and the world's people. We need to appreciate that difference and stand for God as Moses did, knowing that the same God who took abundant care of his people in the day will do the same for us now. So, David, do you want to give us your close us and also close in prayer as well. All right. Uh, just want to uh, remember the family of the, the boy who was, who was killed here. And um, just remember to pray for them tomorrow. Um, we put a sign out that says we're praying for them, so I want to be sure that we do that. And um, so just remember to do that. Thanks for the message this evening, John. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings in life, for the story of Moses and um, how we can kind of look back through those times and what was done. And we see uh, the pride of man, uh, pride of Pharaoh. But we see God will eventually, in his time, uh, he will make all things right. And so, Father, uh, we just want to tell you we love you this evening, Lord. Be with each family, Lord. Watch us over us as we go to our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.